Bibles had turned to Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1. We'll begin a series today entitled The Unveiling. And there'll be a series of messages that we'll work our way through this book that I call The Revelation. We'll take the first three verses today. Have you ever felt neglected? You felt like you had something to give, you felt, had something to offer, and People were just neglecting you, maybe your family, maybe your friends, just neglecting you. When I think of the book of the Revelation, first of all, let me just clear this up to begin. When you're speaking of this book, don't say revelations. There's only one revelation. One revelation. When I think of this book, I think of one of the most neglected books in the Bible. I remember the 60s and the 70s. I'm dating myself, but I remember the 60s and 70s particular that revelation studies and study of eschatology, that's the study of end time things. Eschatology was all over the place. Hal Lindsey wrote Late Great Planet Earth and we can go on and, and, and there were books and there were series and there were every, everywhere you turn, people were predicting the Lord was coming. Songs were written. You remember the old songs, Jesus is coming soon in the quartet parlance. Uh, I wish we'd all been ready. Redemption draweth nigh, written by someone that's been here, a, a good friend, Gordon Jensen. list goes on and on. It won't be long. Andre Crouch. And then somewhere about 15, 20 years ago, we stopped talking about Revelation. In fact, the 21st century church wants to avoid Revelation. Take it a step further, I'll tell you that I mentioned to a friend, of, a preacher friend of mine, we were talking today, and we were talking this week, not today, we were talking this week, and he asked what I was speaking on today, and I said, I felt led that it's time for us to get into end time things, so I'm going to start a series through Revelation. His eyes rolled back in his head, he said, oh boy. I had a preacher tell me 15 years ago, I said, I'll never preach past the third chapter of the Revelation. Well, all, you know, have you ever thought about why that is? Some people think Revelation's weird. Then there you get into the argument of the opinions, pre-trib, post-trib, uh, pre-millennial, post-millennial. And as we'll see in our text today, some people even say they're pan-millennial. That means it'll all pan out in the end, and that's not really what God wants for us to have to know. And what I will say to you that even today is that you look around and in large measure the, the institutional church avoids this book. But we're going to begin a journey through it, just to walk through it, because I believe we should not neglect this book. We should see it as our Lord wants us to see it. And if we see it like God wants us to see it, it will be motivational. It will be encouraging. It will be everything that God wants it to be in your life. I've called this eyes wide open this morning. Because in large measure, when it comes to the revelation, we have walked around with our eyes shut closed because we're so afraid of it let's kind of get it in front of us and just kind of work our way through it and i, I do understand there are a lot of uh there are a lot of bible theologians that are going to disagree with some of the things that i teach us over the next 35 40 messages that's fine you can do that it's called the priesthood of believer you can just go ahead and be wrong if you want no, i'm teasing but we're going to hear, I'm not responsible for teaching what somebody else and preaching what somebody else believes. I'm responsible for what God's revealed to me, and that's what I'm going to do. Let's stand together, if you can stand, and read these first three uh, verses. 
the revelation of Jesus Christ that God gave him to show his slaves what must quickly take place. He sent it and signified it through his angel to his slave, John, who testified to God's word and to the testimony about Jesus Christ and all he saw. Blessed is the one who reads and blessed are those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep what is written in it because the time is near. Let's pray together. Father, it's my prayer that as you take your word today, that you will open it to us, that we can hear from you. Lord, help us not hear man's word, but help us hear your word, even today, in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. You do not know the name of Dr. Alton Butler, but Dr. Alton Butler was pastor at Myrtle Grove Baptist Church for the better part of 30 years. He was the last pastor that I had a privilege, that I was privileged to serve with as a minister of music. Brother Al was about 20 years my senior, and uh, I will just tell you, uh, I was in my 40s, he was in his 60s, and Michael, I never took him on the tennis court. In fact, today he is in his early 80s, 83, 83, 84, and he still plays tennis two days a week. Just just a phenomenal man. Brother Al and I had a great relationship. We were always teasing each other, cutting up with each other. I wrote him a, one time on his birthday, I wrote him a real funny spoof song, and Shared it with the congregation just before we began, and we just had a great time together. That said, I came in one, one day into the office to check my mail, and he was all the time leaving me little things in my box. This day, I looked in my box, and there was, there was a newspaper clip. Go ahead, Cameron. There was a newspaper clip with these words. The world to end March 9, 31st, 1991. He had found that in the paper, and he cut it out. And I, he had a little sarcastic note that he had put in big uh, Sharpie pen. He said, J.W., that's what he called me, J.W., just thought you might want to get this on your calendar so you can make plans. <laughs> you know, I submit that some of the revelations in Revelation has to do with how God will ultimately judge this world. But if that is the only message you see in Revelation, you have missed the big picture. Yes, we will get into some of those things that we, that, that we may not understand, may not want to understand. But here's what I will tell you. If we will see the Revelation through Jesus' eyes, let me tell you what power this word has. It has the power to rescue a life. If you don't know Jesus in a personal way, it has the power to pull you if you'll listen. It has the, restore, the, the power to restore a life, refresh a life, reconcile a life. Because in this is God's word himself because Jesus dictated this to John. Remember, it was John on the Isle of Patmos. We'll get to that in a couple of weeks. And Jesus dictated all these words. So this morning, go ahead if you will, Cameron. I want to make this as simple as possible. We see many people saying, and we've seen it recently, predicting the end of the world. And I will suggest to you that anytime somebody tells you that the end of the world is going to happen on this day, you can bank that it's not. 
You know why? Because the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Go forward if you will, Cameron. The day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. And on that day, the heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements will burn and be dissolved. And the earth and the works on it will be disclosed. You see, the truth is, is that this word is a word of encouragement to those who believe. And it's a word of encouragement to be saved to those who don't believe. But I want to offer you four thoughts this morning about, about this book as we get started from this text. Four words, if you'll write them on the back of your, if you'll write them on the back of your bullet. The first of all, I want you to see the person. The person of the revelation. You see, the big mistake that everybody looks at when they look at the book of Revelation is they see the stuff and they miss the Savior. He is the person, the prominent figure in the entire revelation. He is what this is about. If you look in the, what we just read, verse 1, it says, The revelation of Jesus Christ. That word revelation is in the Greek word, the word apocalypsis, and it means to unveil. It means to display. It means to open. It means to appear. You see, here's what I'm going to tell you. This disclosure is all about Jesus. Say that with me. Jesus. Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. Say it one more time. You see, the truth is, we don't say the word Jesus enough. When we think of Jesus, we think of the rest of the Bible, the Old Testament and the Gospels. You see, in the Gospels, we see the cruci- Him as a crucified. In the Revelation, we see Him as crowned. In the Gospels, we see Him as martyred. In the Revelation, we see Him as majesty. In the Gospels, we see Him as a suffering servant. In the Revelation, we see Him as a sovereign king. In the Gospels, we see Him as the Lamb. And in the Revelation, we see Him as the Lion. You see, it is all about Jesus. Revelation unveils to us who Jesus is, not in His humanity, but in His divinity. We see Him in light of who He really is. I implore you as we go through this book, instead of seeing the seals, see the Savior. Instead of seeing the trumpets, see the truth. Instead of seeing the bold judgments, see the blessedness of Jesus. Instead of seeing the mark of the beast, see the mark of the redeemed. You see, Jesus is the light that shines in the darkness. Jesus has been in control. He is in control. And He will be in control. It's all about Him. And we have a problem with that today. We have a problem with our life being all about Jesus. When our life gets all about Jesus, it begins to be changed. Our attitudes begin to be different. Our talk begins to be different. Our actions begin to be different. And when we look at the Revelation, we see that John testified it. He said, um, it says he sent it and signified it through his angels to his slave John who testified to God's Word. John testified to God's Word. Have you ever thought about what God's Word tells us about Jesus? It tells us that Jesus, yes, He was born in Bethlehem, but but kind of rationalize this in your human mind. But it also tells us He was there at creation. On the screen, John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. That was Jesus. And the Word, Jesus, was God. 
And the word, Jesus, was God. He was with God. He, Jesus, was with God in the beginning. All three things were created through him, Jesus, and apart from him, Jesus, not one thing was created that has been created. Life was in him, Jesus, and that life was the light of men. And the light of Jesus shined in the darkness of this world, and the darkness did not overcome it. You see, the truth is the word of God tells us that everything's tied to Jesus. This is the revelation of who Jesus is. But it is also, John is witnessing, telling us about things that he saw. Are you listening to me? Telling us about things he saw. Have you ever wondered why John was chosen to write this final closing book of God's word? Think about Think about why God chose him. John had witnessed the life and ministry, the earthly life and ministry of Jesus. He was there when Jesus taught the multitude. He was there when Jesus fed the 5,000. He was there when Jesus raised the dead. He was there when Jesus healed the sick. He was there when he made the, the blind to see. Jesus was there. I mean, John was there when Jesus was arrested. John was there when Jesus was abused, spit on. John was there when Jesus was crucified, put to death, the only disciple standing at the cross. He was there when Jesus was buried. He was there when Jesus was resurrected. He was there when Jesus ascended. But you know what? None of those are the, are the real, are the real happening uh, parts to me that tell me that this is why uh, God told, chose John. Watch this. John was there when Jesus took off his humanity and he transfigured into deity on the Mount of Transfiguration and John saw him for who he was. And that's the message of the Revelation. See Jesus. See him for who he is. Yes, we see him in his humanity as he lived, as he taught, as he touched, as he cared, as he, even as he died. See him as he loved the world so much that he died the death of a sinner. He died for lostness. He died for lost mankind. But folks, see him in his divinity, not just his humanity. See him in his, di- in his divinity as the risen Lord, as the Savior, as the coming King, the one who has defeated death, the one who has defeated hell. The one who has defeated sin. See him as the risen Lord who offers you and me life. See Jesus today. He is the person of the revelation. And he is the one that's worthy of getting, of us getting to know. And knowing the person of the revelation, listen, If you know Jesus, please listen. It's going to give you a reason to know this revelation. It's going to give meaning to the revelation. If you don't know Jesus, reading the book of the revelation is going to frighten you. If you don't know Jesus, it's going to confuse you. If you don't know Jesus, it's not going to mean much to you. But if you know Jesus... All of a sudden, you're not going to want to neglect this book. Let me give you an illustration. And I'm going to use an old form of transportation. It could be carried over to, to airplanes and, 
and other modes of transportation. But think about the old bus company. In the bus company, they have what's called a dispatcher. Now, that dispatcher, he watches all the buses and sees when they're supposed to leave and when they're supposed to arrive, what routes they're supposed to take, what stops they're supposed to make along the way. And he stays up with them so they don't lose a bus. Now, if you were that dispatcher, you would pretty soon, those circles or dots that you see on the map wouldn't mean much. Just another, just another bus, just another transportation. But hear me. If you had a bus come in your direction from your hometown and your mom was riding it, all of a sudden you have more focused attention on that bus. You see, if uh, heaven is really your home, Revelation tells us about a train coming from home. That train coming from home has got somebody special to us. Somebody that took a sin-sick, sinful life and turned it into something of glory, redeemed it. Took something that was on its way to hell and made it on the way to heaven. And he's coming on that train. The person of the revelation. The second thing the scripture tells us is about the purpose of of the revelation, the purpose of the revelation. Now, when we unveil Jesus in his humanity, the account of God's word gives so that gives is given to us so that God's redeemed children can have an idea of what's going to happen in the end time. Now, why is that important? Now, if I didn't sit and say that as clearly as you wanted me to, well. While we see in God's word that's printed, we see God, Jesus in his humanity. In the revelation, there is a word that tells us, hey, this is how everything's going to end. And why is that important for us today? Well, if you look historically, we'll kind of, we kind of get some hints about it. Is that, and now, Brother Jerry, how, how do I know that that's why? That's the purpose. Well, it says right there, it says the revelation of Jesus that God gave to him. Here's why. To show his slaves... His redeemed, his children, what must quickly take place? That's the very purpose of it. Why is it important? Well, if you look historically, John is on the Isle of Patmos. We don't know whether an emperor put him there because of his uh, stand on the word or whether God drove him there. We just know that he was there because of the word of God, there to write the word of God. But he was on the Isle of Patmos. And the year is about 90 to 95 A.D. 20, 25 years earlier, here's what's happened in Christendom. Rome has invaded Jerusalem and torn down the temple, and the believers are under persecution for their faith. Now think about that. Those who are old enough to remember the days or the days after the Great Depression. You know why a lot of songs were written about heaven back in that time? Because everybody wanted to get out of here and they wanted to go to a better place. Today we think we have it so good so we don't look forward to heaven. In the day that this was written, they were looking for some answers. They were looking for some ways to be encouraged. Now I will tell you, as I read Revelation, and just so anybody wants to know where I stand, 
It seems to me, after a lot of study, that in chapter 4, when the, when the voice in heaven says, come up here, it seems to me that God took the church away because the church on earth is never mentioned again, and the church is now mentioned in the arms of Jesus. And the encouragement is, is that God's come to get his redeemed before he begins all this mess. Amen? God is coming to take care of us. In fact, it was so encouraging that when, when Revelation ends, John writes, Even so, Lord Jesus, come now. Folks, be encouraged today. If you know Christ, be encouraged. If you know the person of the Revelation, be encouraged because he has given you a word that he's going to take care of you. In fact, in, uh, in the th- letter to Thessalonica, he writes, uh, you know, the Lord will, for, will descend from heaven with a, with a shout, the voice of an archangel. And he talks all about the end times and who, that the dead in Christ will rise first and we who are alive will be caught away. And he ends that with, encourage one another with these words. Be encouraged today if you know Jesus. He's still in control. If you don't know Jesus, if you've never walked with him, if you've never talked with him, if you've never allowed him to control you, if you've never given your life totally and completely to him, No haphazard. Please listen. Anybody who gave Jesus half their life, you gave him none of your life. It's all or nothing with him. You give him your life, he takes care of you. You give him anything less, he has no part of you. That's what the Bible says. If you don't know him, here's the deal. You can know him today. Those same hands that reached... To his redeemed children, those same hands that stretched out on a cross and accepted nails are hands that reach down through eternity and time and reach to you to give you a new start, to give you a new way, to give you a new life, and to set you on, a, on the course to heaven. From heaven, he offers you, he offers you abundant life, life to the fullest now, and he offers you eternal life beyond the grave. And that's the purpose of this book, to show his people what must take place and to draw those folks who don't know. But I also see a third thing in this text, the promise, the promise. A partner book to Revelation is found in the Old Testament. It is the book of Daniel. And in Daniel, he's writing the prophecy when he's told from heaven to close and seal the book. Let me tell you about Revelation. It is an open book. It is a book which carries a tri-conditional promise. And we call it a beatitude. Look at what it says here. Verse 3, it says, Blessed, go ahead, um, Cameron, Blessed is the one who reads, and blessed are those who hear the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who keep what is written in it. Now watch this. Blessed are those who reads. When you see that word read, The Greek word literally means to distinguish, to acknowledge. And to read it until you have developed an understanding of it. Blessed, happy, God's favor. Telling us to read it and have a knowledge of this book. He says, blessed are those who hear. Now, you know there's three levels of hearing that we can give. Now, women know this instinctively. And men know it somewhat and just kind of are lulled into it. There's the listening superficially. 
That's kind of like uh, you're sitting at the breakfast table with a paper in front of your face and the wife's talking to you. And, you know, mm, eh, mm, mm. and pretty soon she goes, what did I just say? And he goes, well, if you don't know, I can't tell you, all right? And he's just, he's, it's been a voice in the background, but he really hasn't assimilated anything. Second thing, and this is the one I'm guilty of, listen for the facts. Just the facts. In fact, some of the greatest struggles that Deb and I have had over 35, 36 years of marriage is, honey, can you just get to the bottom line of this thing? Well, she can, but she doesn't want to. Men, do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, y'all don't want to say anything because you don't want to go home in the doghouse, okay? It's okay, it's Sunday. You're going out to eat anyway. You're not going to miss a meal. Just listen for the, just give me the facts. But then there's that third level of listening. Listen with understanding. And I've said this many times and tried to learn it myself. If you want to get, you want to win your wife's heart when she's talking to you, say those three little words that'll send her out. Tell me more. And then park it for a while because she will tell you more. But the point being is that this hears, blessed are those who hears, is like that third level of, of hearing. Listen with understanding. It literally means to guard something, to preserve something, to observe something, to reserve something, if you will, to hear it with the depths of your being. Blessed are those who reads, who has a developed a knowledge of it. Blessed are those who listen with understanding. And may I just say this, this, this read and hears, it kind of blows a hole in your theology that revelation doesn't matter. Because it does. And then it says, blessed are those who keep the words. Keep the words. You see, folks, to keep the word means that we, that we watch over it. We protect it. We know it. We've learned it. And when we ignore any part of God's word in our lives, when we ignore any part of God's word in our lives, we fail in our responsibility as believers. And any time we fail before God, it's sin. And sin, the wages of sin is still death. And sin is still missing the mark. And we have missed the mark. And when we miss the mark of God, we miss the blessing of God. Blessed is he who reads. Blessed is he who hears. Blessed is he who keeps, observes, preserves, guards, obeys the word of the Lord. In this book, we're going to find Jesus as the sovereign one, the shining light, and the savior of the world. That's the promise. <laughs> now, I, just, I said the savior of the world, and I just want to pose you a question. The question this morning is not, is he the savior of the world because he died for everyone? The question this morning is this. Is he your savior is he your savior is the person of the revelation is he someone you're on a first name basis with is he someone that you walk with and talk with is he someone let me just say it this way if he is savior of your life then he's lord of your life if he's lord of your life then he's master of your life if he's master of your life, then he is in control of your life. 
And if he is in control of your life, the words of the revelation of this book bring you comfort and peace and even anticipation of what's happening. And anticipation of what lies ahead. The promise is that there's going to be blessings for those who read, hear, and keep his word. And the last thing, and it's very quick, is the pledge. You know what the pledge is? It's found in those last four words of verse 3. The time is near. Now that you've got that written down, let me have your eyes to say this to you. There are scoffers today that says, John didn't know what he's writing because 2,000 years, have passed. And Jesus has not come back. Yet Peter tells us in 2 Peter 3 and 8, he says, A day is like a thousand years. And a thousand years is like a day to the Lord. Problem is, we're trying to schedule Jesus on our timetable and not his seems to me that in the courts of heaven only a couple of days have passed. But listen, the time is near. And we can watch the signs. Plenty of them were given. Plenty of them were given. One day the disciples came to Jesus and they said, Hey, tell us about the end time things. I want you to, we're going we're to get these in front of us so we can watch the signs. Jesus replied to them, Watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Messiah, and they will deceive many. Now watch this. You're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. But see that you're not alarmed because these things must take place, but the end is not yet. Nation will rise against nation. Has anybody seen anything on the news? And kingdom against kingdom? There will be famines. Have you heard anything about that? Earthquakes? But these events, they are just the beginning of birth pains. Move forward, if you will. Then they will hand you over for persecution. Now, quite likely in this room, very few people have had governmental persecution, but I'm telling you, it's coming. Even in this country, it's already started. They will hand you over for persecution, and they will kill you. You will be hated by all nations because of my name. By the way, in this country... You can believe whatever you want to believe, but they will tell you, oh, by the way, you may want to steer clear of Christianity. Then many will take offense, and they'll betray one another, and they'll hate one another. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many, and because of lawlessness will, because lawlessness will multiply, the love of many will wax cold. But the one who endures to the end will be delivered. This Good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed in all the world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. I submit to you that Matthew 24 is coming to fruition before our very eyes. Paul had some words about the end time and some of the signs in 2 Timothy, if you will. But know this, difficult days will come in the last days. Difficult time will come in the last days. 
Now I want you, as I read these kind of slowly, I want you to think of any of them pertaining to the culture in which we live. People will be lovers of self. Lovers of money. Boastful. The I syndrome. Proud. Blasphemers. Disobedient to parents. Ungrateful. Have you ever been, you folks who are my age and older, have you ever seen our society be so ungrateful? Unholy. You know, we dismiss holiness today, but everybody's going to sin, so it doesn't matter. Well, God says it does matter. It says, be holy as I am holy. When Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, he didn't say, what a great God, what a powerful God. You know what he said when he saw God? He said, Woe is me, I am unworthy and I am unclean and I am undone. Because he had heard them sing thrice, holy, holy, holy. Because of all the other attributes of God that jumped out at Isaiah. Unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good. Traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of Reading a book on my iPhone with one of those little apps that Mike Pickens is so proud of that I finally put on my iPhone. Electronic book. What what, um, Ravenhill tells us. Excuse me, I've got the wrong book. This is a book called uh, Broken Things by Dahan. In the book Broken Things, this is what he said. And Dahan is dead now. He said, I would to God that we spent for Jesus and had the passion for Jesus that we did for ourselves before we were saved. We want to do something, money's no object. We want to do something, schedule is no object. We really want to do something, we'll spend it on ourselves. What would it be like if we had that kind of passion for God? Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of, oh, back up, please. Holding to the form of religion, but denying its power. Avoid these people. Now move forward, Kim. For among you are those who worm their way into households and capture idle women burdened down with sin, let alone by a variety of passions, always learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. I want you to consider the state of the church and the culture today. Do you see any of these things prevalent? Here's what I want to tell you when we're done. Well, before I do that, let me read one other thing. Matthew 24 and 37. Can you, is it up there? Your last sign. As the days of Noah were, so the coming of the, of the Son of Man will be. For in those days, before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah boarded the ark. They didn't know until the flood came and swept them all away. So this is the way the coming of the Son of Man will be. Two men will be in the field, one taken and one left. Two women Go ahead, Kim. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One taken 
and one left. Therefore, be alert, since you don't know what day your Lord is coming. I'll tell you when he's coming, when nobody thinks he's coming. When we've let our defenses down, with all the predictions of last weekend, how many of you really thought Jesus was coming? But I'm going to give you this final scripture when all the signs are said and done. It's Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21 says, But when these things begin to take place, stand up, lift up your head, because your redemption draweth nigh. With eyes wide open, See the revelation for what it is. It will be a convicting time. It will be an encouraging time. For me, I, this is real personal for me. You're probably tired of hearing this, but I'm, I identify with something. 30 years ago, there was a movie out back when we had to use movie projectors and big reels. It was entitled A Thief in the Night. You remember that? There was a preacher on there who was characterized as a liberal. And the thief in the night came and the rapture took place and threw the world into, into chaos. And that liberal preacher was left behind. And when they finally caught up with him, he was studying over God's word. He said, how could I have missed it? After all these years of studying it. I, and here's the, here's the part that stays with me. I see all of those faces that I preached to for all those years. And I wonder how many never came to the knowledge of the truth and how many will miss heaven and make hell. Brothers and sisters, I implore you, if you don't know the person of the revelation, know him today. Let him forgive your sin. Believe in him. Because those nail-scarred hands that died for you are reaching down for you today. Let's pray.